Yo, what's up, everybody? It's Clay Finkley here once again. Welcome you, you to the podcast. I'm excited to to have this time together. And, and man, I got to say, this, this past weekend was was a really, really powerful weekend. I mean, to say the least. I I had the pleasure of playing bass uh, this Sunday, which um, allowed me to have a great seat to see what God was doing uh, in the room at our Conway campus. And to see just the, the, the fact that people were wrestling with their sin, um, and once they're wrestling with it, then choose to respond to it was a really powerful thing for me to watch and observe. I just felt like all morning long, uh, all weekend long, really, that there was just victory upon victory upon victory happening because people were saying, I need to find Jesus. I need him in my life. I need to respond to him. And I'll be honest, there's nothing better than seeing that. It's one of the coolest things to be a part of. I'm thankful to be a part of it. And my hope and my prayer is today after hearing this sermon uh, that you uh, put that into your life as well. So go ahead, check out week two of Finding the One. Thanks, guys. So how's everybody doing? You guys good? 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 So it's good to see you guys, and I am glad that you're here. Um, some of you might be new with us, and if that's the case, man, thanks for coming. And uh, as a church, we, we really want to connect with Jesus, and, and that's the reason we worship the way we worship, and, and uh, I hope you recognize that, and hopefully you've got a chance uh, to connect with him a little bit already. Um, but if you are new, whether that's here or maybe watching online, make sure you do get connected with somebody also. All right, that, that first connection is with Jesus. We want to make sure that happens, but we want to make sure you connect with somebody else as well. Uh, so stop by a new here tent, stop by the, the connect wall, something like that, all right? Now, Clay uh, made, made some announcements at the beginning, so hopefully you were here for that. I do want to reiterate just one um, that, he, that he made mention of, and I really want you to hear it, is um, it's a, the announcement that we made about Pathway. Uh, Pathway is an eight-week small group experience that we want everybody at church to go through, all right? It is a phenomenal eight-week experience that will help connect you to Jesus and connect you to others. And and it happens uh, on Sunday mornings on this campus. So for all of you who come to the 1130, just show up at 10 for eight weeks, go to Pathway, and then you can come to the 1130 service, all right? Um, It happens over in our student venue. It'll start up in three weeks, and then it'll meet It'll meet really for nine weeks. We're taking a week off in the middle for Easter, all right? So there'll be four weeks, Easter, and then four more weeks. And uh, if you haven't been through it yet, do it. Um, Everybody who's going through it, we've had well over 100 people go through Pathway, and they love it, all right? So definitely want to encourage you to take advantage of that, all right? Now, we're going to dive back into this series, and this series is called Finding the One, and I, I want to start by, by asking a, just a, a simple question that, that we can all participate in, either with a head nod or a head shake, whatever it's best for you, or maybe you're going to sit there and go, I don't know. I, however, here's the question. Have you found your soulmate? Have you found your soulmate? And for some of you, like I watch as I ask that question, for some of you are like, yeah, 
You know, others of you are like, yep, looking at them right there next to me, all right? And if you're married and you looked at the person next to you, good decision. Okay, let me just help you for a moment. Good decision, right? Others of you, here was the opposite. Others of you are like, nope, all right? Which I'm glad you are honest. Here's what is unfortunate, though, is that there's several of you who were single and you were looking at me going, nope. What you should have been doing is looking at the crowd because then you would know who was single and you could have kept your eyes on them. Right? You know what I mean? Like, and we even help you because we set the chairs on the side like this so you get a full view of everybody. Have you found your soulmate? Really, the question is pretty simple. Now, now I know some of you be like, no, it's not. Like, some of you are like, I, I'm, I doubt I'll ever find my soulmate. Like, like, I'm trying, but it's like they're playing hide and seek. Others of you are like, I, I doubt that a soulmate even exists, that you've got maybe a, disort, a distorted view of a soulmate where you think, that only, like, there's one person out there for me, and I've got to find them. There's some of you that that's when, when I say soulmate, that's what comes to your mind. And, and if that's the case, I, I would be honest, that's a depressing thought. Because that means if you're single and there's one person who is created to be your soulmate, it means you have a one in eight billion chance of finding them. And that is daunting. So, so what I actually want to do today is, is talk totally different about a soulmate. Because I don't think, all right, my opinion here for a second, I don't think that you have a soulmate that is a romantic relationship when I'm talking about a soulmate. You have people that you are more compatible with, absolutely. You have people that are more in alignment with the type of person that God wants you to find and date and marry, absolutely. And God, because he's sovereign, if you're single right now, he knows if you're gonna get married and he knows exactly who you're gonna marry because he is God, he knows that, all right? But, but when it comes to this idea of soulmate, I actually think, We've got it a little off. Because every time we use that term soulmate, we think in a romantic relationship concept. And what I want to challenge us to do is change our thinking. Rather than thinking in a romantic way about a soulmate, I want you to think in a spiritual way because you do have a soulmate. Every one of us was created for one individual for all of eternity, and his name is Jesus Christ. I should get an amen on that one, okay? Like, like that's, that's who you're created for. If you were with us last week, we talked about that a lot, that, yeah, we're in this series called Finding the One, but we said before you go looking for the one, you first got to find yourself, and what you find about yourself is that we are created in the image of God so that we can be in relationship with God. Now, that is the most important thing that we can understand about ourselves, that, that I find myself, I realize that I am created in the image of God to be in relationship with God, to give him glory. So today, I want to go further into that and to say, then what is stopping you from a relationship with God? Because he is your soulmate, that he is the one that you are to be connected with. And, and I know some of you are single and you're like, Josh, I thought we were going to talk about dating at some point. We will next week. 
But today, I want us to zero in on the most important relationship you could ever have. And that is a relationship with Jesus. The unfortunate thing, though, is for all of us, that relationship has been severed. For some of us, we have brought it back together. But I know not everybody has. So, so I'm going to make it real clear, right? Like, like I'm just going to tell you right now what my hope is, is that when I'm done preaching in 21 minutes, that every one of us in this room, everyone watching online, watching on demand later, that you will be able to say, I have a soulmate, and his name is Jesus, and I am in a right relationship with him. Amen? That, that's what I want. Because I, I don't want anybody leaving here today going, man, I hope to find my soulmate. No, you can find your soulmate. You can find what truly matters right now. You don't have to guess. You don't have to worry. You don't have to wonder. You can find him. Yet, I know what the reality is. For some of us, we doubt it. We doubt Jesus. And that goes all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. And how Adam and Eve doubted God, and it separated their relationship. See, see, reality is that in Genesis chapter 1, we talked about this last week, Adam and Eve were, were created, that all of creation was created, the sun, the moon, the stars, all of it. Adam and Eve were created, and they were created in the image of God to be in relationship with God. In chapter 2, it talks about their relationship and about how they existed together. We'll talk about that next week. In chapter 3, it talks about how Adam and Eve, because of a, some choices they made, their relationship with God was separated. And that's where we find ourselves. And it starts because we doubt God. Let me show you. It's Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? All right. Now, now I want you to notice some things here that, that first it talks about the serpent. What that really means is Satan. All right. That there is a angel. He was an angel who sinned. He, he walked away from God. He tried to be like God. He sinned. He got cast out of heaven. And, and so we call him Satan or the devil, um, the enemy. And he has been trying to trick mankind ever since of creation. That he's trying to get us off the path out of God's will. And that's what Satan does. He's, he's not some little red cartoon character that sits on your shoulder. That's not who Satan is. Satan is a real entity that is trying to destroy you and to destroy your relationship with God. And that's what he did to Eve and Adam. He said, the servant was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? He said, did God really say? See, Satan has a scheme, and his scheme is to get you to doubt God's word. That, that, that is his number one scheme, is that he believes if he can get you to doubt God's word, he can get you to stop trusting God. So, so what we see here is, is the serpent saying, did God really say that? And then Eve replied, of course we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, the woman replied. 
It is only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it or you will die. And then Satan replies back, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. That I want you to see his scheme here, that he starts by saying, hey, did God really say that? Did God really say you can't eat from the trees in the garden? And Eve's like, well, no, not God didn't say we can't eat from the trees. He, he just said we can't eat from that tree. And then Satan says, well, did God really say you would die? I want you to see it, that he's putting doubt in Eve's mind about the word of God. And not only is he putting doubt in there, he's twisting God's word. Because he knows if he twists God's word just a little bit, he can create doubt in Eve's mind and Adam's mind and can get them to quit trusting God. And that's his game plan. There's an author, his name's John Gordon. He wrote a great book called The Garden this is what, what he said. He said, the enemy knows if, we, if he can get you to doubt God, you will believe his lies. And if you believe his lies, you won't trust God. It's simply a game of deception. And I'm afraid many of us, all of us at different points, have bought into this lie. Because we've all doubted God at different times. For some of us, like Eve, I can imagine she's sitting there and she starts to doubt, well, did God really say that? And, and then why did God do that? Why did God put a tree in the middle of the garden? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, God gave us all this stuff to eat, and then there's this beautiful tree that we could eat from, but God says we can't eat from it. Well, why would he do that? And, and even to the point that because she starts to doubt God, she starts to distrust God, and she starts to wonder about his character, about his goodness, about his love. And I think we do the same thing. I know I've heard, heard and had conversations with people over time that'll say, well, why, why would God even put that tree in the garden anyway? If God really loves us, if God really loved people, he wouldn't have even done that. He wouldn't, have, he wouldn't even made it possible for us to choose to eat from the tree. And I would actually say this, it was an act of love that God put the tree there. Because without the tree, it means we're forced into a relationship with God. And God doesn't force his love upon us. God doesn't mandate his love. He doesn't make us love. He says, I want you to choose to love me. Because a love that is forced is no love at all. It's no love at all. So God says, in an act of love, I'm putting this there. And I'm going to trust that you're going to walk right. But because of doubt, we start to distort. We start to distort who God is. We start to distort who we are. We don't see things clearly. We start to get a bad view of God and a bad view of ourselves. We start thinking, well, well, I can be God. I can make decisions for myself. We see it right here in Eve's story. It says, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. 
That, that I want you to see just a couple things here. That it, it says that the fruit was good for food, that it was pleasing to the eye, that it was desirable for gaining wisdom. That, that Eve is looking at this fruit and she's going, well, I, did God really say I can't eat from it? Did, did God really say that I would die? Well, that doesn't make sense because the fruit looks good. And the fruit would be good, and the fruit would help me. It's as if she's staring at the fruit, even though she's knowing that God has said not to, she's looking at it and justifying, like, this will be good for me. And that's what good-looking food does, right? I mean, you ever looked at a piece of cake and said, that will actually be good for me. I know I have. Ever looked at a Krispy Kreme? Krispy Kreme be like, oh, you know what I mean? Be like, that would be good for, like, I'm hungry right now. It's good to the eye. It's good for my body. Well, uh, I can justify it in my mind that it's good for my body. I need a little sugar. I'm a little low on sugar right now. Right? You know what I'm saying? And I think Eve in that moment did the same thing. That even though she knew what God had said, she saw the fruit and she's like, it looks good here. And it'll be good here. And it sounds good here. Well, I might as well. That she had a distorted view of God because what happened is she started to doubt God. So then she started just to trust her own instincts and said, well, this is what I want to do. And unfortunately, we do the same thing. Well, I know God said that, but this is how I feel. I know God said that, but this makes sense. I know God said that, but I need to be happy. I, I know God said that, but that was a long time ago, and this is 2023. So, so we start to justify because it sounds good, and it looks good, and we want to feel good. But the minute we step outside of God's will... It doesn't feel so good. We see that in the text, and I'm going right back to it. It's Genesis 3, 7. It says, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame of their nakedness. And so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God amongst the trees. That, that I want to spend the rest of our time just digging into kind of this aspect, all right? That, that first, it says this, at that moment, their eyes were opened. That, that Adam and Eve, they ate of the fruit. and They ate of the fruit because they thought in their mind, we've got to make this decision, that we get to make this decision, that God didn't really mean that, so let's just do this. And a, a distorted view of God because of doubt led them down a path where they said, let's eat of this fruit. And the minute that they did, guilt hit them. The minute they, they, that they ate of it, they recognized that they were naked. They're like, man, something's off. And I think that happens with all of us. Like, I don't think that you have to, to have a relationship with God for you to recognize the guilt of wrongdoing. 
See, I actually think God hardwired our hearts. He hardwired our lives to know right from wrong. I can tell you this, for me, when I was a teenager, I wasn't walking with God. I didn't know God. I didn't know Jesus. had zero, like, like faith-based system in my life at all. Yet when I would do what all the other high schoolers were doing to have fun, I would feel guilty. Like, like, like I remember I would participate in things that were going on, and as I'd participate in it, for some reason I'd feel guilty. So much so in my mind, I was like, why am I feeling guilty? I'm just doing what everybody else is doing. It wasn't from a faith perspective. It wasn't because I knew Jesus and I knew right and wrong. No, God had hardwired my heart. Now, here's the unfortunate thing. Rather than recognizing that guilty feeling, I just kept pushing it down further and further. And you do that too long, eventually you'll quit feeling guilty. Adam and Eve, they felt the guilt. Then that guilt turned to shame. And they hid themselves. It says when God came looking for them, all of a sudden they started to hide themselves because of not just the guilt, but the shame. And I think guilt, I think God uses guilt. I think God uses the Holy Spirit to help us understand we are guilty. I think Satan uses shame to make us hide from God. And that's exactly what happened in Adam and Eve's life. That because of their sin that separated them, their shame hid them. And they went off and they started hiding behind some trees. And, and, and I believe there's some of us that are like that right now because we're guilty of sin. We've never walked with Jesus and we, found, we have found ourselves hiding from God. I think there's others of us though that you know what a relationship with God looks like. That you know that you were created to be a soulmate with him. Yet you've allowed some sin to come back into your life and it's pushed you in shame away from God. It's like you're just going over and it's like you're hiding behind a tree going, I, I just have to hide myself from God for a while because I feel ashamed of who I am or what I've done. And because of that, you're not connected to your soulmate. And that changes today. You might think, man, I've ran so far away, I can never get back into a relationship. That ends today. You, you might be thinking, I didn't run away, I just went around the other side of the house to hide. That ends today. Because you were created to be in a relationship with your soulmate, and it's time to come home. It reminds me of a story. The, the whole story of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 reminds me of another story in Luke 15. It, it's just a simple story Jesus told, and, and I'm just going to tell it to you. If you turned in your Bible, it would be in Luke 15, and, and, and the story goes like this. It says that there was... There was a man who had two sons, and the younger son came to his father and said, uh, Father, give me, give me my share of the inheritance. So the, the father divided up his wealth and gave, gave his share to the younger son. I mean, basically, the younger son was looking at his dad saying, Dad, I want you to die. I want my goods now. I want my money now. I want my, my, my inheritance now. I, I, I don't want you to live anymore. That's basically what he was saying. 
basically saying, Dad, I'm done with you. And it says this, that, that he took that, his share of the inheritance and he set off for a distant country where he squandered all of his wealth on wild living. A little while later, a famine came over the land and he began to be in need, so he hired himself out to a local farmer. And the farmer sent him to the uh, field to work with the pigs and he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything to eat. And as he laid there in, in, in hunger, he, he thought to himself, my, my father's servants have more than enough food on their table. That, that I'm going to get up and go home to my father and I'm going to tell him I've sinned against heaven and against earth. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. So it says that, that he got up and, and, he, and he headed for home. And while he was a long way off, the, the father saw him in the distance and, and went running to his son. And, and when they came to, to close to each other, the son in his rehearsed speech said, Father, Father, I'm sorry. I, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your, your son. Make me like one of your servants. And, and the father was like, shh, stop. Stop with the nonsense. And then he yelled to a servant. He said, servants, get me a robe for, for his shoulders. Give me a, a ring for his finger. Give me some sandals for his feet and kill the fattened calf because my son who was dead is alive. My son who was lost has been found. He's come home. We got to celebrate, y'all. We got to celebrate. So they started a massive party. I mean, it's just like the party of all parties. And then the older brother came home from working in the field. And he heard the commotion going on on the inside. And as he heard the commotion, he sent for a servant. And he, and he said, hey, what's going on? And the servant's like, dude, 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 your brother, he's come home. And your dad's filled, uh, killed the fattened calf and said, we got a party. So we're partying. Come on in. And the brother was mad. He wouldn't go in. So the father came out to meet with him. And he said, son, you got to come into the party. And he said, I've worked for you all of my life. I've never disobeyed you. I've never done anything against you. And you haven't even killed a young goat so that me and my friends could have a party. But that son of yours squanders all of your money on prostitutes and you kill the fattened calf? Like, what's wrong? And the dad says this. He says, son, everything I have is yours already. Like, you, you've got rights to it all. But my son, your brother, he was lost. And now he's found. He, is he was dead. And now he's alive. We have to celebrate. And you need to come on in. But the brother wouldn't. And I want you to see yourself in this story. Because here's reality. Both brothers were hiding from the father. Both of them. 
Both brothers were hiding. Both brothers needed to get back in a relationship. Both brothers needed to be saved. Both brothers needed to be reconnected with their father. And in the story, the story represents us and Jesus. Now I want you to see that Jesus invites you in. Jesus invites you back into a relationship with him. And I love how you'll see the similarities. That Adam and Eve, they sinned in the garden. And as soon as they sinned, they recognized their nakedness. And they're like, oh, we're ashamed. We can't be with God. But when God came into the garden, he said, come. Come out. Come to me. Come to me in your shame. Come to me in your guilt. Come to me in the midst of separations because I've got you covered. And he covered Adam and Eve that they were naked and they were in shame, but God killed an animal and put his skins on them so that they would have clothing. And in the same way that he clothed Adam and Eve, he clothed the sun with a robe. And in the same way that he clothed the sun in the robe, he clothes us with the blood of Christ. He covers us. And he says, you are covered. A robe representing family, sonship, you have that now when you come back. That, that the ring that was put on his finger was a signet ring letting everybody know this guy is part of this family. And in the same way that the father gave the son his ring back, Jesus seals us with the Holy Spirit so that we have a guarantee of inheritance in heaven. You are covered and you are sealed by your soulmate. So you don't have to leave today. You don't have to leave today going, I can't find my soulmate. You don't have to feel like you're hundreds and thousands of miles away and you've got a long journey back. No, you showed up today, you're taking a step and the Father, Jesus, is right here ready to reunite with you. You might feel like the older son and you didn't go thousands of miles away, but you've been hiding in the backyard. Maybe because you don't like some of the things that God has done. Maybe you're hiding in the backyard because you don't understand what's on the Father's heart. Maybe you're hiding in the backyard and you got a little shame in yourself because maybe you didn't run far away, but you went to the backyard. He invites you in. You have a soulmate. He is Jesus Christ. And he wants to be your savior. So today, move towards him. Step towards him. Go towards him. Be like the young son and get up from the pig's pen and come. Guys, that was me. That's 100% me. A guy who knew nothing about Jesus, who was down on my face, going, there's got to be a better way. And I came to my senses, and I turned towards Christ, and boom, right there he met me. And he covered me, and he sealed me, and he invited me in. And he threw a party that I got to be a part of. 
And if that's your story today, if, if you don't know Jesus and today's the day, then I'm going to encourage you to do just what the young son did. I'm going to encourage you to get up and move forward. And this has happened in every service we've done this weekend. That Thursday night, this morning at 8.30, this morning at 10, and I'm confident today at 11.30 that there's someone here who says, I need Jesus as my Savior, and you're going to step forward. And, and you can step forward by just coming up front and getting down on a knee, maybe taking communion for the first time in your life that represents the blood and the body of Christ and saying, Jesus, I need you. But what I'm primarily going to ask you to do is you can do that, but then after that, come talk to a prayer counselor. Or even before you do that, talk to a prayer counselor, and then we will go and take communion with you. And there's going to be people standing right there at that connect corner, and there's going to be people standing at that connect corner. That just like the young son, I'm going to ask you to get up and go. But I'm also going to ask you, if you've been acting like the older son, to get up and go as well. Don't stand outside of a relationship with your soulmate. So do me a favor right now. Let's all stand together. And we're going to go into this time of response. And like I said, I'm going to invite you to move. I don't want you to stay put. I don't do it this way at every service and every weekend. Those of you who come here know that, that we encourage you to respond how you need to. But today, I, I feel like it's time to quit hiding. And it's time to be known. So step over to that prayer corner. That's where I'll be as soon as I'm done talking. Or step to that prayer corner. Go to one of those connect corners. And pray to receive Christ. And if you need to take a step of baptism, there's people at the, that corner as well. It is time for us with all of our lungs and all of our air just to sing to God and be thankful. You have a soulmate. You have a soulmate. You don't have to wonder. His name is Jesus. So let's respond right now. Let's get up and let's go.